0: But I'd like for you to take your Bibles, please, to the book of Jeremiah. And I don't know how long we'll be in this series, but I think we'll be in it for a little bit, and I hope it'll be a help and a blessing to you. But I have been uh, so burdened, and of course, I think this last weekend, I think it just really, uh, really was such a, a vivid reminder of how much our nation needs to get back to God. Amen. Uh, our nation is a mess, and by the way, I love our nation. And uh, I love, I love our military. I'm thankful for our military. And uh, I'm thankful for our president. I don't agree with everything he does, but I'm thankful for him. And uh, he has done a lot of good. And I'm thankful for a born-again Christian vice president. And uh, I'm thankful for some people in our nation that have tried to do what's right and for have taken a stand. And uh, if, the, if the heathen crowd is screaming, then you know that, Somebody's doing something right because uh, that this old world they don't like anything like that But you know the answer is not in politics now. I think we ought to be involved I think we ought to pray. I know we ought to vote Uh, Maybe some of you want to consider running for some local offices I'm glad God did not call me to be a politician. God called me to be a preacher But I'm thankful for for our government. I'm thankful for that and we need that but but that's not going to turn our nation back to God That's not going to turn our nation around. What's going to turn our nation around is when God's people get back to the Bible. And when we fall on our faces and we get right with God, and when we realize that we're going to have to get serious about our prayer time and get serious about serving God. I love what Brother Caleb said about the young people there in Uganda. You know what we're seeing in our nation. We're seeing a generation of young people now that are coming up that have not had to obey authority. They've not been instructed in the Bible. They've not been instructed in doing what is right. And that's why people stand up and think it's okay to shoot people with a gun. Uh, the guns are not the problem. Uh, you can take away every gun you want to, but the hearts of men are gonna be evil and people are gonna find a way to do something like that. But the problem is the heart, and the problem is that God needs to get a hold of them. And we must reach the next generation and we must make a difference but the book of Jeremiah is a book that was written by a man who had a broken heart as a matter of fact Jeremiah is known in scriptures as the weeping prophet would you notice with me Jeremiah chapter 9 it says in verse number 1 Jeremiah's his prayer his His proclamation he says oh that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people I'd like to begin our series we'll do a few weeks of introduction a few weeks of background and then we'll we'll get into Jeremiah and we won't take every chapter we'll uh, block some of them together and we'll work our way through this book But I want to challenge us, and I want to uh, ask God to convict our hearts that we would get a burden for our nation, that we would get a burden for our community, that we would get a burden for souls like what Jeremiah had for his people in his day. Lord, help us as we look at your word, and I pray we would learn from the life of Jeremiah, from his testimony, from his messages, from how he had compassion and a broken heart, and Lord, he was was faithful to the call that you had placed on his life. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be encouraged and helped and challenged from the word of God this evening, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at Jeremiah's background, and uh, we'll uh, we'll work through, we won't get get very far tonight, but we'll at least get a, a start on it. I want you to notice, and if you'll take notes throughout this series, I'll give you something every week. You can jot some things down and jot some references down. But before we really get into Jeremiah chapter 1, I want us to notice Jeremiah's compassion. He was known as the weeping prophet. He had a broken heart for his people. Now, I'm not talking about somebody passes away and we've got a broken heart for them. I'm not talking about somebody close to us is Going through a sickness and and by the way, that's an obvious when somebody passes away There ought to be tears when somebody's sick or when somebody's hurting There ought to be compassion and there ought to be uh, empathy and there ought to be concern for people But i'm talking about having a broken heart for people that you don't even know I'm talking about having a compassion for people that don't even like you You say, well, that's a little harder. I know, that's where the rubber meets the road. You see, when Jesus was hanging on the cross and Jesus was dying on the cross, he was not dying for his friends. He was dying for his enemies. While he was on the cross, his cry was, Father, forgive them. Who was he talking about? The people that had just driven the nails. The crowd that had gathered and had chanted and said, Give us Barabbas, but crucify Jesus. Those were the people that Jesus died for. He died for sinners. He died for you and he died for me. And Jesus was a man who had compassion for you and a broken heart for us. It says in Matthew 16, if you want to jot down this reference, Matthew 16, verses 13 and 14, Jesus asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? It's a good question. He asked his disciples, he said, hey, who do people say that I am? And people were trying to figure out who is this Jesus? Who is this preacher? Who is this prophet? And they said, well, there's some that say you're John the Baptist. There were some that because John the Baptist preaching and Jesus preaching were so similar, they thought that John the Baptist had risen from the dead after his head had been chopped off. And they said, this is John the Baptist. There were some that said, no, this is... Uh, Elijah this is Elijah preaching then there were some that said no we think this Jesus is Jeremiah now isn't that interesting it's interesting for a couple reasons but one if somebody ever went to Jeremiah and I know he lived before Jesus but if they ever said to Jeremiah said you remind us of Jesus boy wouldn't that be a compliment you imagine if somebody at the workplace just said, there's something different about you. You remind me of Jesus. Well, I tell you what, that'd be about the highest compliment you could get for somebody to say, you, you, you just remind me of Jesus. You remind me of what Jesus would do or, or, or what Jesus would say. But here's what's amazing, that it wasn't that way. It wasn't the people seeing Jeremiah and saying, you remind us of Jesus. It was the people seeing Jesus and say, this Jesus reminds us Of that prophet Jeremiah now that's interesting I know there are many similarities and I know there's many things we could talk about but I think one of the reasons that people would say that was because Jesus had a broken heart for people much like Jeremiah had a broken heart for people you see in Isaiah 53 uh, Isaiah prophesied about Jesus and he said that he will be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That was a description of what Jesus would be. Jesus came on the scene and Jesus, the Bible says that he saw the multitudes. He saw all the people and he said, get rid of these people. That's not what he said. He said, oh man, these people drive me crazy. I've had pastors tell me and most of them joking. I think said, you know, the ministry would be so easy if it weren't for people. And by the way, you could probably say that about your workplace too. <laughs> Boy, my job would be so easy if it weren't for the people. <laughs> and sometimes it's the customers, and sometimes it's the co-workers, you know. But but the ministry is people, and Jesus came to help people, and Jesus came to heal. As a matter of fact, When he asked his disciples, whom do men say that I am? Peter spoke up and he said, we know who you are, Jesus. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Peter nailed that one on the head. But Jesus had just healed people of sicknesses. He had just uh, fed the 4,000 people. And he was concerned for the needs of people. And that's why they said, this reminds us of Jeremiah. Jesus was moved with compassion on the crowds of people. He said, they're scattered abroad like sheep and they don't have a shepherd. Somebody needs to help these people. Somebody needs to feed these people. Somebody needs to heal these people. Somebody needs to rescue the perishing of these people. That's where we get the verse in Matthew nine thirty-seven that Jesus said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest you know what would move the heart of jesus seeing a video like we just saw seeing the multitudes of people in uganda that do not know christ the multitudes of people that have never heard the gospel jesus was a man of compassion when jesus heard of the death of lazarus it's the shortest verse in the bible some of you may have memorized it when you were a child and went around and bragged said yeah i just memorized a verse today what verse is that? Oh, John eleven thirty five. We had a we had a, an assistant pastor in California who used to say, "Yeah," he said I was really feeling ambitious today. He said I memorized John eleven thirty five a, and he said tomorrow I'm going to work on John eleven thirty five b. It's only two words. Jesus wept. But what a powerful verse. When Jesus heard about his friend Lazarus, the Bible says, the whole verse, two words, Jesus wept. He was a man of compassion. Jesus was a man of sorrows. Jeremiah was a man also of brokenness. He was a man with a burden. He was a man of tears. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah penned the book of Lamentations. We'll get to that towards the end of the series, but if you'll turn there quickly, I wanna show you a few verses right after Jeremiah is the book of Lamentations, the, the lament or Jeremiah weeping over the destruction of Jerusalem and the captivity of God's people. You see, Jeremiah preached to people that were backslidden and people that God was going to judge because they were backslidden and they eventually went into Babylonian captivity and Jeremiah witnessed the destruction of the city of Jerusalem you know most of us you know what we would have done told you so I told you and you wouldn't listen it's your own fault you made your uh, you you, you uh, slept in your bed now you got to make it you know that's what we that have been our attitude serves you right It's your own fault it's your own problem now you know but that wasn't Jeremiah after preaching to a backslidden people for about 50 years and they didn't listen they went into Babylonian captivity and when Jeremiah saw the destruction of Jerusalem that the the walls of the city were broken down and the houses were burned and the temple was destroyed and the young people had been carried captive and many people had been killed Jeremiah's response was nothing but to weep and to cry and to pour out his heart before God. Notice Lamentations chapter 1, verse number 12. He says, is it nothing to you? He says to the, to the other folks there, he says, doesn't this even bother you? Do- doesn't this affect you? Doesn't it? Doesn't it do something to you? All ye that pass by. Behold, and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. Jeremiah was not gloating. He was not a ha-ha. He was not a, 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 a looking down on people. But he was so broken for these people whose their city, their, 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 their homes were destroyed. Their children were taken captive. He says in verse number 16, for these things I weep. Mine eye, mine eye runneth down with water because the comforter that should relieve my soul is far from me. My children are desolate because the enemy prevailed. It says in chapter 2 in verse number 11, mine eyes do fail with tears. Lamentations 3, verse number 48, mine eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. Chapter 5 and verse number 15. Jeremiah said the joy of our heart is ceased. We're talking on Sunday mornings now a series on joy. Jeremiah said the joy is all gone. It's over. It's finished. Our joy is ceased and our dance is turned into mourning. That was Jeremiah's burden for his people. These were people that hated him. We'll see throughout the book of Jeremiah, they threw him into prison. They threw him in a pit. They tried to kill him. They mocked him. They persecuted him. But yet he was so broken for these people. Why was Jeremiah so broken? God's people had become backslidden. And Jeremiah knew that backslidden people, they always suffer the consequences let me say that one more time. Backslidden people, they always suffer the consequences. I'm not saying that if you're backslidden, you're going to be in a car accident tomorrow. I think there's sometimes where we're in car accidents and we're not out of the will of God and we're doing what's right. And I think sometimes it's the attacks of Satan. And you look at the story of Job, he was not sinning. But I think there are some times where things happen in our lives and it is a result of god trying to get our attention because we are backsliding we are getting away from him and god always judges and there's always a judgment there's always a price tag for people who are god's children who sin the bible says that as god's children if we do wrong he will chasten us he will discipline us And if he doesn't discipline us, that's a bad sign because it's possible we're not his children because God always disciplines his children. By the way, Jeremiah's brokenness and his compassion, his tears got the attention of God. You see, compassion still makes a difference. Jude, verse number 22, the Bible says, and of some having compassion, making a difference. I love what Uh, brother Caleb was saying about uh, some of our folks in the church maybe you've been serving God for a long time and maybe you don't always see the results right away but maybe there's uh, someone coming up that it's in the it's in the production time but you will see the results eventually I want to tell you compassion your compassion is not in vain your compassion makes a difference your prayers make a difference your tears make a difference your witness makes a difference. Your Sunday school class makes a difference. You say, but they sleep through my Sunday school class. You just never know. Your bus ministry makes a difference. Your faithfulness makes a difference. Your giving, your soul winning, your passing tracks makes a difference. And of some having compassion making a difference. You Say, pastor, what about Jeremiah? Did he make a great difference? well in the world standards no jeremiah preached for about 50 years and as far as we can tell in the scriptures we only see one possible convert that he had it was a man by the name of baruch b-a-r-u-c-h baruch and some people say that baruch was not even a, a a convert he was only helping Jeremiah because that was his job. He was the scribe who wrote some things down when Jeremiah preached. Some say Barak wasn't even fully convinced of the message of Jeremiah. However, Jeremiah preached. And he prayed and he wept and he had tears and he had compassion and God's people went into captivity. However, there were some young captives, some young captive boys that went from Judah That went into Babylon I'll give you a couple names see if you recognize any of these names Hananiah Mishael Azariah how about this one Daniel you recognize those names the first three you'd recognize as Shadrach Meshach and Abednego but where do you think they got the courage to stand up to Nebuchadnezzar Where do you think they got the teaching and where do you think they got the training and where do you think they got rooted and grounded in the Bible before they went into captivity? I would dare say it was an old prophet like Jeremiah who just stood up and stayed faithful and preached when it seemed like nobody was listening. And you say, well, what difference did that make? A big difference. You see, Daniel went to Babylon and Daniel not only changed Babylon, but Daniel was used of God to change the world. Because Babylon was in control and the medial Persians came on the scene and Daniel was instrumental in, in, in setting policy for the entire medial Persian empire. He changed the world and it only took one. Can I tell you, your service, your faithfulness, what you do for the Lord, you teaching your children, you working with your grandchildren, whatever you're doing for God, I want to tell you, it is worth it and it makes a difference. And if you never see the difference down here i want to tell you you'll see the difference up there when we stand before that judgment seat of christ and when god plays back the tapes or the 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 dvds or the films or whatever he shows the 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 3d or the 4d of all that has happened i want to tell you we're going to be so glad that we serve god we'll have no regrets when we stand before god that we were faithful You may not see the results right away, but God sees and God will reward your faithfulness. The Bible says in Psalm 126, they that sow in tears shall reap in what? Joy. I'm glad that there's some sowing that we can do now and there'll be some reaping later. I want to challenge you tonight as we look at this opening introductory message on the book of Jeremiah, I want to challenge you, don't lose your tears. Remember when you used to have a broken heart when you knew of somebody that wasn't saved? Remember when that used to bother you? Remember when it used to be heavy on your heart? Remember when you used to have a prayer list of people you prayed for and you were praying for this person to get saved? And by the way, I've had people over the years I've prayed for for years and years and years and years. Can I tell you? Don't give up, don't throw in the towel. Because God hears and God answers prayer and God sees your tears and God knows Don't lose your burden. Don't you lose the broken heart that you once had for some in this auditorium? Maybe you've never had a broken heart Maybe there's never been a time in your life where you would you would cry or you would weep over a backslidden family member Or a wayward child or a wayward sibling or a a a friend who was away from the Lord and I tell you, I think it's time we get back to compassion and brokenness and getting a burden for people again. So, well, Pastor, how do we get compassion? How, how do we have it? I, I don't have it now, or maybe I had it and I lost it, but how do we get our compassion? Would you notice in Lamentations chapter 3, I'm going to give you a few thoughts tonight, we're going to be done. Lamentations 3, verse number 51. Jeremiah said, Mine eye affecteth mine Heart, because of all the daughters of my city. I'm going to give you about five words here and we'll be done. I'm not, I mean, I'm going to say more than five words, but I'm going to give you five main words. And if you want to jot them down, how do we get our compassion back? Number one, you got to see it. You've heard the expression out of sight, out of mind. You know why we don't get a burden for souls? Because we're not looking for them. You know why we don't get a burden for people that are away from God is because we're not looking for them. We're not noticing. We're not seeing the needs and the burdens that people have. I was speaking today, and I don't don't think he'd mind me sharing this. It was not about church work. It was about a a different kind of work. But I was speaking today to Miss Dot Nelson's son, Rodney. Many of you know Rodney and Rodney and uh, Greg and Doug, those those men, they are wonderful men. Many of you know them, and you've known the Nelsons. But Rodney was telling me we got—I forget how we got talking about this—but he has worked in school work for many, many years. He was the assistant principal here at Roanoke Rapids for some time. I don't know how many years, but several years. And he went to Raleigh, and he's he has uh, served there in schools. And just a wonderful man. But somehow we got talking about uh, about a certain person or something, and he said, you know. He said, when I was the assistant principal, he said, I'll never forget. He said, he didn't use these words, but he said it clicked or registered. But he said, there was one time we had, I had a particular student that I was having trouble with. And he said, I went to that student's home. He said, and when I went to that student's home, I thought, wow, it makes sense. Now, I can see why this student is struggling so much in school because this student had a terrible awful awful home life but he said i didn't know till i went to that home and he said these words he said i didn't know till i went up and knocked on the door and the door opened and i saw what that student lived with every day you know when he said that i thought that's exactly what we need to do we need to see the people out there That have needs friend you think you've got problems I'll take you with me sometime and I'll show you problems and I don't mean I'll take you to my house you know and you know you hear my wife screaming or anything like that just want to clarify that but I'll take you to some homes you talk to some of our bus workers I tell you what they'll take you visiting and you'll see some homes and when you see the homes that some of these young people are coming out of you'll realize these people need somebody that cares about them and you knock on doors and you try to talk to people about Jesus and you see uh, the wrecked homes and the wrecked lives and the families that are torn apart and the drugs and the alcohol and the wickedness that these young people have to deal with every single day of their lives, I promise you, you will have a broken heart. Go with some of our law enforcement officers sometime and I don't know how all that works, but if, if you're allowed to do that, But I promise you, your eyes will be open and you'll realize that people are out there that need the Lord. They need somebody that'll just care about them, somebody that'll love them, somebody that will see their need and do something about it. Number one, how do we get compassion? You got to see it. You got to open your eyes to it. We've got to realize there's a world out there. That's why we have missionaries. That's why whenever we have a missionary come, if they have a video or they have a presentation, I want us to see that because I want us to see the faces. When you write that check for that missionary uh, giving and you write that check for that missions project, I want you to know that we're not just giving to some imaginary thing out there. We're giving so that souls can come to Jesus Christ so that the gospel can go to the four corners of the globe. You got to see it. Number two, How do we get our compassion back? We got to get our eyes back on the savior. You know, when you think about Jesus and what he did on the cross, that'll motivate you. When you realize that Jesus left the 99 that were safe in the fold, and he left the 99 just to come after you, and just to come after me, and he loved you so much, even when you were not lovable, and even when I was not lovable, Some of us still aren't very lovable, but he loved us even when we were not lovable. But get your eyes on the Savior. Spend time with Jesus and what he did for us, and I promise you, it'll rub off on you. You get around Jesus and you you won't be able to help yourself. You'll have compassion. Number three, we got to get back into Scripture. If we'll turn off the news and we'll set aside the newspaper and we'll set aside the internet and we'll just get back in the Bible and we'll just submerse ourselves in the word of god i promise you you'll have compassion when you realize that the bible tells us that the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord when you read for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son i promise you you'll have compassion get back in the bible i'll tell you another way to get your compassion number four is to get back on your knees it's amazing you spend some time in the prayer closet and you spend some time talking to God and you say Lord forgive me for being cold Lord forgive me for being callous and forgive me for not caring about souls and God forgive me for not having a burden for my class or not having a burden for this church or not having a burden for our neighbors God forgive me and give me a burden back I promise you God will answer that prayer if you'll pray and beg God and then lastly, how do we get our compassion back? It's the word eternity. When eternity becomes a reality in our lives, we realize that souls are the only thing that matters. I'm all for sports. I love it. I'm all for fun. I'm all for vacations. I'm all for all those things. I'm not against those things, but that's not the most important thing. I'm all for having nice things. And if you have nice things, I think that's wonderful. I think that's great. But if those things have you, that's a problem. If those things have control, and if those things are the thing that control your life, and your life is not controlled by God and by His Word and by the Great Commission, then we have lost our purpose. We must get back to compassion. James 4.14, the Bible says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Life is so short. The Bible tells us in Hebrews ten twenty seven, and as it is appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment, you realize that life is so short and what really matters is that people in this life get prepared for the next life that in this life, people get settled where they'll spend forever. Because once a person dies, that determination has already been made. You say, well, who determines who goes to heaven and who goes to hell? Well, God already determined that whosoever will may come. God already determined for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the determination is made by each and every person individually whether or not they will accept christ or whether they will reject christ but the choice belongs to each individual so what are we going to do we're going to pray we're going to tell them about jesus and we're going to weep we're going to get a broken heart lord willing so that we can help to see more people come to christ